Welcome to Inspired Chi Radio with your hosts, A.J. Johnsack and Tracy Sanginetti. In this program, we explore what makes you a powerful soul by learning to connect with your guides and master your own energy. It's time once and for all to get rid of the obstacles in your life that are keeping you from being the true soul you are meant to be. Now, here are your hosts, Tracy and AJ. Hello, and welcome to Inspire Chi Radio, the place to start your week inspired. My name is AJ Johnsack. And I'm Tracy Sanginetti. And together we are Inspire Chi. And welcome to the program. Uh, we have a great guest coming up in just a couple of moments, but we wanted to recap last week's uh, show. Hopefully you caught that episode. Uh, I think it was interesting. I think it was very interesting. <laughs> Tracy, do you want to recap that a little bit? Yes, yes. So last week we had the opportunity to walk through uh, your Akashic Karma with our own A.J. Johnsack, who is a... Reiki master, past life regressionist, hypnotherapist, soul realignment expert, and we asked her all of the pressing questions about her path, how she got here, and some of our most asked questions about past lives and your karma. So if you didn't catch that, that might be something you would like to catch on replay over at our site. You can find that. How did you like being in the hot seat, AJ? You know what? It's one of my favorite subjects. And when you're talking about something you're passionate about, something that you're really still to this day fascinated by, the time goes so quickly. And very often you come up with more questions than uh, than you thought of originally. So, uh, yeah, stop over to our site, uh, InspireChiRadio.com, and pop your questions in there. I, I always love to talk about the subject. And uh our guest tonight actually has some information to add on this wonderful spiritual path that we that we choose to be on, uh, and we can choose it because um, it's certainly chosen us. <laughs> oh, of course, <laughs> all of that karma, you know, that, yes, that yes. those patterns. They we've chosen actions, and the consequences get delivered to us. So, uh, what you are seeking is seeking you. What you are seeking is seeking you. Our guest tonight is Carrie Tuminia. Transform your love life, break up with your limiting beliefs, rewrite your love story, and fall in love with you. This amazing love and dating expert, who is also an expert in many modalities, is our guest here tonight. So we're excited to speak to Carrie, to Minia, um, somebody we've been trying to connect with for a while, as we said. We were supposed to work together last year. It didn't happen. And as scheduling just didn't permit. And we both said, you know, this or something better. And here we are now being able to speak to you with a broader audience. And I'm always fascinated, Carrie, by people's journey. How did you get here? How did this become your passion out of all the modalities in your life? So we want to talk about your connection. You're studying EFT. Um, some of the other modalities, uh, advanced clearing. How did you get to the point you are at now uh, on your very own fascinating journey? Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, first, thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here and to chat with you guys and finally connect. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time coming, right? Yes. Um, and my story is, um, well, it's really interesting. I might be biased, but it was sort of like a long time coming for me to get to this place that I'm in right now. And I started just by exploring uh, energy work and modalities like EFT, 
uh, and others like it, uh, matrix reimprinting, advanced clearing energetics. Uh, there's a whole host of energy techniques, of course. And I started out just uh, because I was struggling with anxiety and depression. And I had been told by my psychiatrist at the time and many counselors that this was like as good as it was going to get. I just had to take medication. I had to cope and learn how to be okay. And I thought to myself at that time, I was in my early 20s, and I thought, you know, there must be something different. There must be something better than this. Um, I don't want to just spend the rest of my life coping uh, with what I was dealing with. And it led me on this sort of very big personal healing journey where I uh, long story short, uh, overcame my clinical depression, overcame my uh, anxiety di diagnosis, got a clean bill of health for my psychiatrist, and she sent me on my way uh, with a business card because she didn't quite believe that I was actually going to, to be okay. And now that was over a decade ago. I've never had a relapse. Um, and I've never actually been back uh, into that psychiatrist's office, even though she wasn't sure quite what I was doing uh, to really move this stuff. Um, and I thought, you know what, this is amazing. Things are going great. And I feel so much better, you know, and I really kind of like pursued my career, pursued certifications, did all these things and got my whole life in order, except for my relationships. And even though I had healed from depression, I'd healed from anxiety, I'd done all of these amazing, amazing things. I was still dating really awful people. <laughs> <laughs> I was still having these really awful relationships and I ended up engaged and my fiance at the time left uh, about three weeks before our wedding. And I remember sitting in our house at the time and I had, you know, a wedding dress. I had invitations. I had saved the dates had already been sent. And I remember sitting with like um, a list of names in front of me of people I had to call to tell them that it wasn't that the wedding was canceled, right? I put my wedding dress on Craigslist and I remember sitting in the middle of my room at the time and thinking, how is this such an issue? Like, how do I have everything else so in order? How did I overcome these giant obstacles in my life? And I can't even choose a partner who will stick around. You know, I can't even choose a partner who will, you know, be what I'm looking for. And it, it sort of onset this year long, year, slightly over a year long journey where I was like, you know what, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to heal my relationship patterns. I'm going to figure out where they came from. I'm going to use everything that I learned in the rest of my journey to fix this relationship thing. And I'm going to make it better. And um, 13 months after I made that decision in that bedroom, I met the man that I am now married to. Uh, we've been married for six years, together for 10. Uh, we have a beautiful daughter, beautiful home, and I, I figured it out. Like, it was a lot of work, and, and, and I, I became really intensely passionate about helping other people figure it out uh, because I felt so defeated in that moment, so heartbroken, so crushed. You know, I thought that I was getting married in less than a month from that moment, and then I wasn't suddenly, and it was just you know, one more relationship in the list of bad relationships. And I, I know that other women and even other men find themselves in that same position where they think maybe love isn't, isn't for me. You know, maybe I'm not made for this. You know, maybe I'll never find that person. And, and they, they, it's so easy to feel hopeless and defeated and heartbroken and terrified that you're going to be alone forever. And that's not what we're meant to be while we're here. Everyone is designed for for fulfilling, loving relationships. 
And it just became, again, such a passion of mine to help other people figure out what I had figured out. Uh, and I had all these tools and all of this, these methods and, and they work, um, they work. And I have, you know, again, years of clients behind me now that, uh, are no longer in that hopeless, heartbroken place. And I love, I just love helping them move out of that, you know, because again, we're not meant to be stuck there. And so here I am. And when we talk about relationships, we can, did, I, I want to back up for just a second. Yeah. When you were sitting there with your wedding dress hanging up and, and calling folks saying, hey, guess what? This is not going to happen. Did you look back in that moment and think about conversations you had had with friends and family saying, not the right person for you? Or was everybody uh, very much shocked that this had happened? I think people were very much shocked. We had been together for, you know, over three years at that point. Um, but there was always sort of this, with that specific relation, this undercurrent of like, he wasn't everyone's favorite person. You know, uh -huh. I remember my sister didn't like him. Mm -hmm. you know and at the time I wrote it off I was like well she's a little bit difficult anyway <laughs> <laughs> you know or it's my or I would say to myself you know it's my relationship not hers so it doesn't matter what she thinks or what they think um and but there's, but there's certainly that expectation within yourself at that point that well I, everybody's expecting me to get married everybody's expecting me to be on this certain plan and we put that expectation on ourselves yeah absolutely absolutely without the responsibility of saying is it a reasonable expectation sure absolutely it is really really a challenging place sometimes when you're kind of in an existing relationship to have the courage and the bravery to step away from it and, and ask yourself you know is this really really aligned for me is this really right for me and you know, at that time in my life, I was not capable of doing that. In retrospect, the fact that we did not get married is a blessing. We were not, we were not a good match for each other. We were not aligned for each other. He is very happily married now with children of his own. I am very happily married with children of my own. But in that moment, it's hard to look at your relationship from your own perspective and say, oh man, this is probably a blessing in disguise because you're crying on the floor of your apartment with your wedding dress and your invitations and just thought that it was over. Like I thought that I was done dating. I thought that I found the person. And then even though now I can look at it and say, oh, not the person for me. I get it. In that moment, we don't see that, you know, and there is all that expectation around you and your relationship and, and people, you know, we perceive that people judge us based on our relationship decisions that they, you know, if we end a relationship where it doesn't work out, that people are, you know, thinking, oh gosh, you know, she messed it up again, or oh goodness, like, you know, but at the end of the day, your relationships are solely about you, and taking on those perceptions and of judgment and expectations from other people, they aren't helpful. Um, they're not helpful for your own journey or your own relationship, uh, because every relationship we're in serves a purpose, uh, and it's one of the big things that I teach my clients, is to look at their past relationships, no matter how heartbreaking and difficult, and understand that they are intentional, that they have meaning, um, and that we're supposed to learn from them. Uh, and it helps put things into a better perspective than you may have when you're in the middle of the heartbreak. I find the, um, the story, and I'm sorry that happened to you. I am glad that you had the epiphany that you had and you ended up on the path that you did. Of course, it will be to our benefit later as we get on Absolutely. to some more information. Um, but I want to, and we will talk a lot more about your work as the show goes on. But, you know, when we have been speaking about 
originally how you had been on this path and you had made this discovery about, you know, loving yourself and knowing your worth before you can really, um, you know, pair up in a successful, healthy relationship. One of the ways that you define trauma, and when I picture you sitting in your apartment looking at your wedding dress in that dark moment, I myself and many of our listeners have been in that time where you think, how, how do I even, I can't even say the words out loud. I can't even fathom how this happened, how I missed it, how I was so off, how I'm going to pick the pieces up from this. And you define trauma in four ways. And I think that people minimize their own experience, not realizing that this qualifies. Mm. So picturing you on the, on the floor, looking at your wedding dress or any of our listeners um, at that moment. And I know all of us can look at that dark moment and picture it exactly. My, myself, I can remember exactly where I was sitting um, at that traumatic point in my life. But unexpected, traumatic, isolating, mm. with no strategy of how you are going to move forward. Yes. And being in that helpless, dark moment, which, you know, I like to call the tower moments um, of your life that are necessary to move you forward into where you have a better sense of joy and belonging. But at that time, oh my God. So how many of your clients come to you in their tower moment versus how many clients come to you with okay, I'm healthy. I'm happy. I'm ready. Where is he at? What yeah. do you see more of? <laughs> Absolutely more people who, um, who are still not quite there. Right. Um, and I find that even the people that I work with who, who believe that they're ready, they're, they're often ready, um, on a scale that's not accurate for them. And what I mean by that is I, I do work with people who sort of, they get a timeline in their head, right? They think, oh, I'm turning 30 this year. I'm going to be 35. I'm going to be 40. Why aren't I married yet? You know, why don't I have the house in the suburbs with the fence and the dog and the kids and the, and the husband? Um, and because we kind of put that external pressure on ourselves, they think that they're ready because they're a certain age, because they graduated, from, you know, if they finished their degree, because they have a good job, whatever marker they've sort of like associated with, well, I should have figured out love by now. And what I find is that um, if they aren't coming to me immersed in that moment of trauma, because I do get a lot of those people who are like, this awful thing just happened. I don't know how to move on. I don't know what's next. I don't know what to do. Um, I find that there are a lot of people who again come to me because they think they're ready, but it really is that it's not that you haven't figured out love. It's not that they, there's something wrong with them. It's not that they're broken. It's that, that they have trauma from previous relationships from their childhood that they don't, they're not calling trauma because again, like you said, many people minimize what trauma really is. Um, and they haven't healed from that. You know, they haven't healed their heart. They're not they're not participating in that process of preparing themselves for their aligned relationship because they don't know how, right? Or because they're glossing over this thing, this awful thing that happened that they formed beliefs based on and they don't even know it, you know? And so those four things are really helpful for me uh, in my work. It's actually, um, there are four qualifications uh, based on the work of Dr. Robert Scare, which is a great trauma specialist. And because I'm trauma trained and I believe that, um, you know, the, that there's great impact of anything, any events, any experiences that fit that criteria. Um, people, again, they don't reckon, we think trauma and we think, oh, you know, it's people who like went to war and got shot at, 
yes, that's trauma, of course. But we, we make trauma this big thing that, you know, ours doesn't count. You know, it doesn't matter that my fiance left me unexpectedly and left me, you know, with all these pieces to pick up. Uh, because, you know, I wasn't like in my life wasn't in danger. You know, I wasn't at war. I wasn't and we I wasn't abused. I wasn't like he didn't hit me. We, we qualify our experiences um, for whatever, for many reasons. Um, but when we don't treat trauma as trauma, we can't heal from it. You know, part of healing is calling your trauma what it is. It's recognizing that when we have an experience that fits those criteria, when you have an experience that's traumatic, um, in any of those four ways, your brain uh, flags those things. It flags those memories and it says, oh, this is important. This, you know, was unexpected. It was dramatic. It was isolating. I don't have any strategy. And it flags them and it stores them actually, uh, we know neurologically in a different part of your brain than other memories. And so those memories, those experiences get stored in this different part of your brain and your subconscious mind then uses those memories to keep you safe. And so in the future, anything that might vaguely remind you in all sorts of ways of that previous experience, that flagged memory, that trauma, your subconscious mind kicks in and it says, oh, this is my job to keep you safe and alive. And because our brains respond chemically the same way to any stress and any trauma. So if you're being shot at in war or your fiance just left you unexpectedly, your, your brain biochemically responds with the same exact response does not differentiate. And so your subconscious mind says, oh, I have to keep you safe and alive. So let's help you avoid repeating this thing that was so terrible when it happened at all costs. And so people will come to me and they'll say like, oh, I just can't find a relationship. I just can't keep a relationship. I just can't. And as we look back over their past, we will recognize that there is a part of their brain working to help them avoid the pain that they experience before that one unexpected breakup that first heartbreak that you know whatever the root cause is and their brain is helping them avoid it and so they will avoid intimacy they'll avoid vulnerability they'll avoid other relationships because their subconscious mind again its only job is to keep you safe and it thinks it's doing a wonderful thing you know and back when we were like hunting and gathering and nomadic it was doing a wonderful thing you know we had to know where the tigers were we had to know like what plants were poisonous and we had to remember on a deep innate level what was life-threatening and what wasn't. And these days, most of our relationships aren't life-threatening, but our brains have not evolved to that degree that we can tell the difference. And so it just socks everything together and it says, let's keep you safe at all costs, even if it means that you subconsciously reject any relationship that comes into your experience because you're afraid of being hurt. So your subconscious ends up being like, that well-meaning sister. Yeah. <laughs> Saying, I don't like them. Okay. I never liked them. Keep your distance from that one there. Right. So we're going to talk about more about this in just a moment. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a moment with the fabulous uh, Carrie Tuminia. We'll be right back. This is Inspired Chi Radio. To reach the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 
888-346-9141 or send an email to yourtruechi at gmail.com. Now, back to A.J. and Tracy. Welcome back to Inspired Chi Radio. And today we have our guest, Carrie Tuminia, love and dating coach and author. And uh, we were just wrapping up the last segment, speaking about that trauma moment for people in their dating life and relationship life or in their, their path to Carrie's office in the first place. And we had spoken about your relationships being an expression of your current state. But if your current state is that trauma or that recent trauma, the first step a lot of the times is clearing that trauma. So what would be the best advice to somebody exiting trauma? Yeah, absolutely. So with all of my clients, whether the trauma is recent or it's long ago, we always start there. Uh, because again, wanting to attract or manifest your you know, perfect aligned match, your ideal partnership uh, is really challenging if you're still functioning in, in the state of that trauma. Because again, all of our relationships are a reflection of ourselves and an opportunity for us to learn and grow. And so if you're carrying trauma, if you're carrying limiting beliefs about what's available to you or what's possible to you, um, those are the things that we have to clear first. So if you're in a position where you are exiting trauma, as in it is happening right now and it is recent, um, my best first advice is, first of all, uh, make sure that you're safe. And if you're ever in a position where you are not safe, um, there are plenty, many, many resources available to you. Um, support and help. Um, even in any of my work, whatever trauma work we're doing, whatever kind of self-reflection we're doing, there is no, we don't tolerate abuse. Uh, so if that's the type of trauma we're talking about that has its own sort of uh, need. Um, outside of that, absolutely everyone needs sort of space and time. Uh, and so women especially uh, tend to want to jump right back into the dating pool sometimes because it's easier to look for the next person, to engross ourselves in looking for the next date, the next person, the next swipe, you know, the next match, um, rather than sort of really dealing with not only the trauma from the most recent relationship, but where that pattern came from in the first place. You know, how is it connected back to our, our childhood or our caretakers? Um, and what story have we been living out in the expression of our relationships that needs to be healed. And the problem with that is that we just, we repeat the patterns and you'll just continue to repeat the patterns. So my first advice is always space and time. You know, the trauma, however you choose to deal with it needs to be dealt with. The beliefs that led you to that experience, the patterns that led you to that experience need to be dealt with if you don't want to keep repeating them. Uh, and whether it's work the, like the work that I do, uh, which is, you know, trauma-informed energy-based interventions, whether it's traditional therapy, whether it's uh, support groups, um, however you choose to deal with that trauma, it's just work that has to be done if you don't want to repeat it. Uh, and it's the first step to every client that comes to me. Every client I work with, that's the first thing we start with, is how do you need to heal your heart? What trauma beliefs and patterns are there that are, you know, coming up for you so that you can heal them and be free from them? you know? And so you can kind of move on and create a new story around your relationships that's bigger and brighter and better and more aligned with who you actually are, not just the expression of your trauma. And, and Carrie, I know we've spoken previously about expectations in relationships and personal responsibility. And I'm wondering if that's different with each generation. 
for my generation, um, I'll be 64 in, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to call my generation the white picket fence generation. So you had extended dating. Yeah. Uh, maybe you went every Saturday night to the high school dance, uh, you know, with somebody. You had extended dating. The families all knew each other, got married, then had sex, then children in that order. Uh, but as times changed and opportunities uh, present themselves to women of my generation, we were exposed to more things and, and whether it was Woodstock or whether it was free love or whatever it happened to be. So my generation may have different expectations uh, and a different sense of responsibility, right or wrong, good or bad. We won't put labels on it, but just different than more recent generations who swipe right. Yeah. <laughs> so are there differences in your clientele in, do you see yeah. the same patterns among the different generations? Uh, we do. I do. Um, and my clientele really over the years has spanned um, several generations. Um, so I, I work regularly, regularly with women in their 20s, um, young women who are kind of really on the cusp of like newer dating technology. They're very accustomed to, you know, the swipe life. You know, they, they're accustomed to doing things on their phone and on, on the internet. And that's sort of, you know, what they're used to. Um, and similarly, I've also worked with women who are, you know, in their 40s, 50s, and even 60s. And they're a regular part of my clientele as well. And they do have a different level of experience, different expectations. And those expectations and those um, experiences and what's comfortable definitely change, you know, through the age groups, through the generations. And one of the, you know, really early things that I try to teach the women that I work with is that all of those outlets, you know, those beliefs and expectations are neutral, essentially. Uh, so whether you're on, you know, Tinder or Hinge or Bumble or you're, you know, meeting men in the produce section of the grocery store, whatever works for you, that's all, that's all neutral. So whatever the expectation is, as long as you're interacting with human beings, as long as you're interacting with a potential pool of people, uh, it matters not so much where you do it. Um, so I have a rule for many of my clients, if, if they're in the space where they're ready to date, that they uh, make sure that they're interacting with a certain number of potential partners, men or women, whatever they're interested in uh, each day. Uh, while we're working together. And again, the outlet, how they do that, whether it's on their phone, on the computer, or in person, doesn't matter as much as the interaction. But I do encourage people um, as they're sort of engaging in the dating process, because it's really important that we view dating as a process with an end goal, um, that they uh, remain open. You know, so I have women who are uh, much older clientele who I encourage to use an app even though it's not what they're used to and, and they're not sure about it and they might have beliefs about it and, you know, opinions about it um, because I want them to be neutral about how they're meeting people and it opens them up to a much wider audience. Um, I have women in their 20s who want to do everything on their phone and they want to message people to death and never meet them. And I encourage them very much to, you know, be open to meeting people in person. You know, if there's someone in, you know, your local convenience store who you are find very attractive and he's not wearing a wedding ring, talk to him. You know, there are any number of ways that we could meet people. And while each generation comes with their own beliefs and expectations, the real important belief is that you believe that a perfect aligned match is available to you and that you are able to have it however you meet them, you know. And if there are things, values that are important to you, 
You know, I also encourage um, my clients not to compromise on those. If you want a long extended dating experience, because that is a, a value to you and it's not just a fear-based belief that you're using to avoid relationships, uh, then I encourage women to, you know, accept nothing less than that. That's available to you. There are men and women out there who are, you know, ready to do that and you just have to meet them. You know, so whatever the values are, you know, you get to have that and the outlet is neutral. However you meet the people is neutral. So in addition to having different generations that you successfully work with, there are, in, in my mind, I guess there would be, because here's me making a judgment, uh, <laughs> three different groups or three different types of people, those working to become part of a couple, mm-hmm. those that might be in a, in a, as part of a couple now that might be thinking, uh, do I stay, do I go? And those people who are actively uncoupling and I'm sure you work with all of those folks going through that fear of, well, yeah. but if I end it, I'm, I'm 64, then what? Yeah. Or if I don't begin now, I'm 28 for God's sake. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then those folks who are saying, I want to make sure that when I leave this relationship, this coupling, it's done and it's done in a healthy, loving, generous, compassionate, forgiving way. Yeah. Can you, share, can you share some about the, those three? There are the three different demographics that I see, and maybe there are 12 more. I don't know. But <laughs> having been in all of those at one point or another in my life, they're the ones I'm interested in. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I, I certainly work with, with people who are uh, on the search, so to speak. You know, they're in the process of dating. They want to find their person, their relationship. Um, and that's probably my most uh, common clientele. And second of that, uh, as far as numbers, is people who are leaving a relationship or have just left a relationship or had a relationship end maybe without their say or their choice, uh, which is also very common. Um, and, you know, the work that we do is remarkably similar across the board, uh, despite the audiences, um, because I still start every client that shows up doesn't matter whether you're searching for your soulmate, you're leaving a relationship, or you're in a relationship you're unsure about. Um, I start everyone with, with that trauma work. I start with the beliefs and, and the patterns that you've picked up over time. Um, and really encourage people as they engage in this process of healing to like ditch that sense of timeline. You know, mm-hmm. the, that yeah. belief that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in my 60s, so if I don't, you know, if I leave this relationship, there's nothing for me. You know, there's nothing for you when you're dead in the ground, that is the only timeline, you know, that then maybe we don't, you don't have a relationship that's possible outside of that. It's always possible. Um, you know, women in their twenties who are like, I'm almost 30. Why haven't I figured this out yet? Let's just drop those timelines because the timelines, time is a human construct, right? The timelines actually don't mean anything. They only have the meaning that we apply to them. And the more we panic and the more fear we have about the time, the timing of something, uh, the less conducive that is for really connecting with another person, for really opening yourself to the possibilities that are available to you. You know, so I I always encourage people to drop the timeline. We always start with trauma, beliefs, and patterns. Um, And, um, you know, there is, it is never never, never, never too late. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how many relationships you've had. It doesn't matter how many terrible dates you've had. It doesn't matter how many people you have swiped through on Tinder. It doesn't matter how many guys have ghosted you. It does not matter. (laughs) It is never too late 
to engage in the process of relationships. And I say the process of relationships because it doesn't matter if you're dating or you're in a relationship or you're ending a relationship. To engage in that process of being in relationship, in vulnerable, intimate, committed relationships with other people. Uh, it is never too late to do that in a new, healthy way. And it's just about learning. It is just about learning to show up uh, in a way that is disconnected from the traumas and beliefs and patterns that weren't serving you and a way that's connected to your understanding of your deep inherent worth and value and that everything that you desire is available to you and there is a way to get there, you know? Um, and so that's really the crux of my work is all of this hope. I want people to have hope. I want people to have hope that it doesn't matter where you are in the process, you know, everything that, you, that you're dreaming of in a relationship is possible. And it begins with you. So one of the things I find um, fascinating about that, and we self-deprecate with humor a lot of times, especially when it comes to our dating history. And, and I find no satisfaction in what I'm about to say. But it, just <laughs> seems, it seems, no, but it seems like the, the way that it is. So I'm 41. So I feel like I would jokingly say, well, all of my friends where I was the bridesmaid, I was, we went through that phase where everyone thought like, it's time to get married. It's time to do this. Um, a lot of them are now divorcing. Mm -hmm. And where I find myself, um, not only the person who is not only always the third wheel or the fifth wheel, I don't really have that experience because I have some people, I was in their wedding. They have a loving relationship. They will be together, you know, um, in death and beyond. But I have other people who, you know, maybe got married at 26 and said, you know, this is, I'm going to have kids. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do whatever. And the, the partnership did not grow together. They grew apart because they really figured out who they were. Mm -hmm. And I feel with, with the clients that I deal with, and I know AJ, similarly, you get to a point in your life, whatever age that happens for you, sometimes it happens early for people. Sometimes it happens on a delay where you say, I know myself, I know my worth, um, I can stand independently on my own and in love with myself and welcome a partnership, not rescue someone or be rescued yourself. So I feel yeah. like there's a certain advantage to the second time around dating where, you know, while I maybe one day when I marry, it'll be with, on the third wedding of a friend of mine. You know, there is not that timeline. There's that accepting of who you are, what you desire, what your requirements are. Mm -hmm. So do you find that a lot of your clients in that range are kind of like, I know what I deserve now. <laughs> I'm not, no longer accepting these bad behaviors and maybe I'm taking a little bit responsibility for when I was a little bit of a drama queen or my anxiety led to this. Um, do you find that there's more of those aha moments the second time around for people? Um, well, I, I would, I would say that based in, in, in my professional experience, certainly that we're always, everyone is always on that path, right? It's the whole point of relationships. Uh, the entire point of being human beings in this life, in this dimension, on this planet, and wanting a vulnerable, intimate relationship with another person is because relationships are the greatest learning tool that the universe has for us. They are the greatest mirror. So in every relationship, we are really on that path. It's just a matter of when do you arrive. And I would argue that we don't actually arrive because even after you figured it out and you know your worth and you know your value and you're not accepting the bad behaviors and that there is still learning and growing to be done. And your relationship will still be used for that. 
Now, that does not mean, because people sometimes hear that and they say, does that mean I'll never be in a relationship that's going to last forever? Uh, no, it just means that you can be in a relationship that's committed for many, many years and you're still learning and growing. That's the point of relationships. The point of your relationships is not your happiness. It's not your fulfillment. Uh, it is your learning and your growth and your evolution. And that is it. And it's not a super popular opinion. People don't like the way that sounds or feels, but that is why you're in relationship. Your happiness and your fulfillment starts with yourself. No relationship was ever designed to withstand the pressure of your fulfillment, if that makes sense. Um, That's very interesting. (laughs) um, Very interesting. Yeah. So by the time sometimes people are in that second time around space, um, they've done a lot of learning and growing because they've had some relationship behind them. But my goal with every client, no matter how many times they've been married or not, or how many dates they've been on or not, is to get them to that place where they don't accept the bad behaviors, they know their worth, they know their value, and that they're fully engaged in a practice of learning self-love because that is how you attract a relationship that's aligned with who you are rather than, again, an expression of a trauma, a belief, or a pattern. You know. Well, we're going to talk about the next step in the journey when we come back from our next break. Uh, audience, stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment with Carrie Tominia. This is Inspired Chi Radio. To reach the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to yourtruechi at gmail.com. Now, back to AJ and Tracy. Welcome back to Inspired Chi Radio. Our fabulous guest this evening is Carrie Tominia, and we're having a wonderful conversation about relationships. Uh, having a better relationship with yourself is the start, and putting yourself on the path to either enhance the current relationship, find a new relationship, uh, peacefully exit a relationship where you're coming at it from a vantage point that it's from your higher self. And Carrie, one of the things that you've said to us in previous conversations uh, has been, and if you have a pencil and paper to our listening audience, please write this down because you're going to want to remember it later. Relationships are for you, but not about you. Mm-hmm. Would you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, that is one of my say- my sayings. My clients tease me often um, for having these little quips that I say. And, and that is one of them. And I think that um, it, it comes from a place of, of empowerment and freedom when it comes to our relationships. And here's what I see and where this came from is that women, especially um, we are very, very good at looking at our failed relationships or experiencing a breakup or having a relationship that didn't work out or go the way that we thought. And instead of looking at that experience with neutrality Um, and where we could learn from it or grow from it, um, or the meaning that it hold held for us, 
we tend to look at it as it held meaning about us. You know, I must have done something wrong. I must not be thin enough. If I were prettier, then he would have stayed. If I were, you know, if I didn't nag him as much, he would have, you know, and we, and we take these beliefs, we form these beliefs from our failed relationships. We form these beliefs from the relationship that didn't go the way we thought that they would or didn't go as we had planned. And we carry these absolute statements about ourselves based on the relationship experience. And that's not ever what our relationships were meant for. Uh, they're not about us. It, it doesn't mean anything about us. We don't need to apply meaning about ourselves from every experience that we've had that didn't go the way we wanted it to go. But our relationships are for us in that they are all happening for us with our growth and evolution in mind. They are intentional to our experience and they're opportunities for us to look at our own patterns and how we show up and our own beliefs and our own selves in the context of that relationship and look for opportunities to learn and grow and evolve without taking an absolute statement or a belief or a meaning about ourselves and what must be wrong with us, you know, what must be the problem or the matter with us and running with that. You know, they're for us, they're intentional. They're opportunities for learning and growth, but they are not about us. They do not hold meaning about our worth or our value, which is inherent always. So I love the word intentional and, um, I, I, I guess what I want to ask is, so when we are uh, working on ourselves intentionally, um, along with somebody like you, and we certainly recommend that, and certainly Tracy and I have said, oh, yes, we'll be in your office. We were very excited about this interview. Uh, absolutely. Again, this is one of those interviews to our Inspired Chi Radio audience. This is really for us. Uh, but everybody gets to live vicariously through uh, our bad dates. Uh, and, and challenging relationships, but each of those relationships is meant to teach us something. And if we could look at that, uh, that bad date at that last relationship that didn't end the same way we had expected it to, if we look at it from a learning experience, then we're able to treat ourselves much kinder. And it doesn't, it's not our fault. It's an experience that happened. Mm -hmm. And if we could treat ourselves with intentional kindness in our relationships and if we could treat ourselves with intention to get to know ourselves better yes i think that that really would be we probably have better results yeah. at the very least we walk away from that bad date going okay well i had always wanted to eat at that restaurant the food's good the date wasn't but the food's good so i learned <laughs> that i used to say to people when i was actively dating meet me at barnes and noble we'll get a coffee and we'll look at some books. And my thought was, if they show up, you know, we'll have coffee and we'll look at some books and I'll get to know a little bit more about them. And if they don't show up, I'm still going to have coffee and buy some books. Yeah. Uh, so it was, <laughs> for me, it was just, uh, you know, it was a safe thing because I didn't want to be disappointed again. I didn't realize in hindsight that was allowing me not to be disappointed in myself as well because I didn't attach significance. And also I knew if the, if this person said, well, what's Barnes and Noble? You mean you just want to look at books? <laughs> well, I was like, yeah, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's something that is important to me and perhaps we should not go out on a date, but it's that personal responsibility. I want to get back to again, 
personal responsibility doesn't mean you have to beat yourself up and, and you don't wallow in. And then he said this and I said that and I knew I shouldn't have worn that outfit. Personal responsibility, I think, is honoring ourselves. It, does that resonate with you, Carrie? Does that make sense? Am I, am I understanding this in the highest possible way for my soul's evolution? Absolutely. Personal responsibility really is about taking intentional responsibility for the parts of the experience that are meant for us. You know, the parts of the experience that we can learn from and sometimes the parts of the experience where we behaved poorly. Um, Cause we don't often talk, we, we talk a lot about women and how, you know, uh, we can be disappointed and men don't always show up and all the things, but sometimes women behave poorly too. Um, so it's both. It's, you know, what parts of this experience am I intended to learn from are meant for me? And what parts of this experience do I need to take responsibility for my own behavior? Outside of that, you are responsible for nothing else. And again, women, the ultimate caretakers on the planet, we are so good at taking responsibility for all the things that are not ours to take responsibility for. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> Looking for our own personal flaws or shortcomings that if we only didn't have that, he would have behaved differently. Um, but remember that our partners that show up or potential partners that show up on the dates and in the relationships, they are souls on this planet too. Engaging in relationships for the same exact reason that we are. They are also healing and learning and growing and evolving. And so as flawed human beings, we are participating in these connections and they don't always go the way that we would like them to go. But again, because the purpose of relationships is your growth and learning and evolution, as long as you can look at your past experiences and see them from the context of that ultimate purpose, then it is a really great way not only to learn, but also to like move along the the pathway of relationships. The more you learn from your experiences, the more your experiences will improve. The more your experiences will grow with you. You'll, as you start to, again, kind of heal from that trauma, release the unnecessary responsibility and look at your relationships from a context of growth, the, the more that your interactions will meet you where you are. I, and I feel like we're going from trauma to terrific. Yes. In, in your work. <laughs> sure, it is. It's a pathway. And I tell people all the time, you know, dating is a funnel, essentially. It's how it works. It is a funnel of alignment. And as you learn to be more in alignment with yourself, you will move along the funnel. And the types of relationships and the audience of people that are aligned with you and possible for you get smaller and smaller and smaller until you find a very, you know, specific, usually, person or a smaller group of people that are very much more appropriate for you in relationships. In the beginning, you're starting with a big giant funnel because you have so many things to learn, right? Mm -hmm. And if we can move through this as a process and we recognize that it's, it is a process with intentional uh, meaning and with an end goal and we should move through it intentionally. It's conscious. It's not meant to be sort of this unconscious thing that we just do because that's what you're supposed to do. Again, our relationships have a purpose. And if we can look at them through the lens of that purpose, uh, we can be much more effective in moving down that funnel. And we should include fun in this process as opposed yes. to looking at it as if it's a job interview. Yes. Interviewing a candidate for the job we want them to perform, which is to somehow um, be that part of whatever we think we are missing in ourselves. But yes. knowing that there's nothing missing, it just may not be refined from our past stories because we haven't understood ourselves well enough and having fun and the experience. Uh, what's, what's the saying? It's the journey, not the destination. Yes. 
absolutely have fun along the way. I mean, you know, at the very least, if you have a terrible date, you have a good story. <laughs> you know? And, and oh, even, yes. even if someone's not aligned with you, even if it's not a match, you know, you can still have a good time in that moment. And really the more fun that we have in the process while recognizing that, you know, we don't live and die on this one date that's sitting in front of me right now. If it doesn't work out, I'm okay. And I'm just moving along the pathway and I know that there's something intended for me that's great and aligned and it's a match. You know, again, it just, it lets us be more free in the process. It lets us say, you know what? Dinner was great. And maybe that guy is not for me, but dinner was awesome. <laughs> Sometimes it's terrible and you have a really amazing story at the end of it. And that's good too. So Carrie, um, for those of us who maybe aren't going to have our immediate appointments with you, uh, but we would like some feedback out in some of the red flags to watch out for, because one of the things um, that I think I find is that when somebody goes through their bad date experience and they're turning it inward and everything like that, um, their big fear is just making that mistake again. Yeah. But when you are in your higher self, in your self-love, when you vibrated out of that and what you're getting shows up a lot differently in your life, there's not that much of a risk, but you still have that almost that effect of, well, would I miss it this time? And I always think, nah, you wouldn't miss it this time. <laughs> um, but you have a book coming out. I do. I do. And uh, it's called No Bad Dates. It's going to be available through carrytomidia.com and also on Amazon. So our listeners can maybe do a little bit of homework and self-work on their own. Yes. You want to tell us a little bit about that? I would love to. I'm really excited about this book. I'm excited about this project. Um, uh, and it's really, it's great. The book uh, basically covers 10 mindset shifts, what I call the rules to better love uh, that you can use in the process of dating uh, in order to do it better, uh, to date better, date more effectively, date more intentionally and more consciously and still have fun along the way. And I kept it again with these 10 mindset shifts. I kept it really fun and really light with some uh, particularly horrific dating stories of my own that are, uh, hilarious and head shaking. Uh, you'll read them and just be mind boggled, <laughs> honestly. Uh, but they're really good illustrations of sort of how to put your dating experience into context and how to engage in the process as a process that's fun and light and again, meant for you and um, move through, really just shift the way that you move through dates and you move whatever you know platform you're using or however you're meeting people. You know, there are really really powerful things that we can do within ourselves that we can, again, just change the way we look at the people that show up, the people we interact with. Uh, and again, how we move through the process that can just empower us to, to have this really amazing dating experience and move toward kind of our perfect aligned match uh, much quicker and have fun along the way. And the, really the premise is, is that there are no bad dates. Uh, they're all meant for you. They're all intentional and there is something in each one for you. Um, so if we can, we can date that way instead of sort of, you know, lamenting over every interaction doesn't work out. Uh, it can be a lot more effective and a lot more fun. Yes. And one member of our audience is going to be lucky enough to receive your book as their gift away. So don't forget to head over to inspiredchiradio.com and enter to win Carrie's book. And before we thank Carrie and wrap this interview up, leave us with just one little tip. What is the biggest red flag you get 
all the time that you want to big, give your biggest eye roll. They sit down and say, well, he said this, or well, she just said it was just a temporary. What's the biggest one that you've seen? So people can just, before they get your book, while they're waiting for it to come through Amazon. Yeah. Um, the biggest red flag that induces the biggest eye roll. Probably, I would probably say when people show up uh, in my sessions or in my office and they have a whole story about a date or a person or a relationship and typically they spent the entire beginning portion of the relationship ignoring what the person was saying about what they wanted and what they were looking for and what they needed. And they ignore that because it wasn't what they were looking for or they needed or they wanted. And then they get two, three, five, six months into the relationship and then it falls apart and they come to my office and they're like, oh, I just don't understand what could have possibly happened. And I say to them, didn't this person tell you that they didn't want something serious? Well, yes, but you know, did they say that they didn't want a commitment? Yes, but, and, you know, we think women, they, we think that we can change people, that if we're just good enough, if we're just interesting enough, if we just prove to them that I am everything you are looking for, you know, I'm the perfect wife, I'm the perfect partner, I'm the perfect, I'll just be really cool, and I'll just put up with everything you put out, and I'll just, you know, never be mad at you, and I'll never, and we think that we can change what people are saying they, they want or they don't want. And if women could just stop doing that, if we could just, not do that, um, we would all be much more effective in the dating process. You know, if someone says they don't want a relationship, sweetie, they don't want a relationship. Believe so when, them. So when people tell you who they are, believe, believe them. Believe them. Well, believe this for our radio audience that Carrie Tuminia is the real deal. Believe her. Uh, rush on over to Amazon. But before you do that, rush on over to our site, radio, uh, inspiredcheradio.com. You'll have all the links to carry. You'll also have uh, the opportunity to submit your name to win a, a copy of her book. Carrie, we're thrilled we were finally able to connect. For our audience, we're thrilled that you were able to meet this wonderful woman. And to all of us uh, listening, all of us on this journey, bright blessings. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to have been here. Thank you so much for listening this week to Inspired Chi Radio. Be sure to join your hosts, Tracy Sanginiti and A.J. Johnsack, for another edition next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Stay inspired.